and welcome to Betfair's Cheltenham Rawcast. And yes, you heard me correctly, Rawcast. Now stick with us on this because there is a specific reason why we have chosen the name Rawcast for this podcast. So stay tuned to find out what that is all about. But now we're going to be with you every Wednesday from now until the flag drops of the first race at the Cheltenham Festival. We're going to be previewing all of the biggest races at Cheltenham and I'm going to be joined every week by Timeform's Dan Barber to preview all of these races and as of next week we're going to be joined by Betfair's newest ambassador. Now we cannot tell you who that is yet. Dan and I are completely sworn to secrecy so don't even try to prize it out of us we won't tell you you only have a week to wait anyway but all I can say is that she is going to be an excellent addition to this podcast now every week we're going to be joined by some special guests from the industry industry leaders Betfair ambassadors writers so lots to look forward to. And this week, we have a star-studded panel with two fantastic guests. We have betting.betfair contributor, Daryl Parter, as well as Betfair's very own, Alan Conway, to preview the champion hurdle, as well as the supreme novices hurdle. So fast horses to the fore, please. Now, I've jabbered a lot on for long enough now at the head of the show. So I'm going to hand it over to you guys to introduce yourselves basically to the show. So Dan Barber, fantastic to have you along on this series. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's an absolute pleasure. Nice to be joined by a couple of newer faces. Well, I've done a bit of work with Alan uh, on our Racing Only Better podcast. And yeah, it's great to have you on board, you and Daryl. And we've, we've got eight weeks. We've got loads of guests. We've got loads to talk about because as we know, it does become the only show in town. Yeah, it certainly does, doesn't it? As you say, from now until March, there is only one thing that matters in the world. And thank God it's something that's positive for once anyway. And Daryl Carter, now you and I, we know each other very well from the podcast sphere. We're a, pa- a pair of podcast thieves, I think, by now, really. But how are you anyway? I'm very well, thanks. Bit of a... Um... <clears throat> oh, God. Very well, thanks, Kate. Bit of a uh, bit of an intro to set me up for a downfall, though. I think very uh, <laughs> very complimentary. I really appreciate that from you. Yeah, we know each other well from from our work elsewhere. But uh, really looking forward to, to getting stuck into to some Shelton races with you, Dan and Alan. Um, yeah, really excited. I think there's loads to talk about, loads to pick holes in, um, and have strong opinions on. So uh, I think it's going to be a, a, an eventful show. Yeah, definitely. So plenty to look forward to. And of course, last but not least, Betfair's very own Alan Conway. Alan, how are you? Very well, Kate. It's a bit like Darren, you set me up for a, de- a downfall now with that, with that lovely intro. But, um, you know, deli- delighted to be on here, as, as Dan mentioned, myself and Dan have, have worked together a bit in the past. And, um, you know, delighted to be here. It's The sun's out, days are getting longer and, and Cheltenham is, is closely coming upon us. So, you know, lots to, lots to talk about. And hopefully we can find a few winners for everybody out there. Yeah, hugely positive start then for the whole team. Yeah, we started this well, so hopefully it can um it can only stay level. I say go up from here, but probably only stay level. Now I thought as a way of introducing ourselves properly to this podcast, it was a good idea to talk through our favourite Cheltenham memory. So Dan, I'll go back to you, please. But sort of an instant Cheltenham Festival memory it comes to mind straight away. It could be positive or negative, ideally positive, but for you, what stands out at the forefront of your mind? Yeah, well, I, th- I think we've had far too much positivity so far, to be honest. You've been praising everybody. <laughs> I'm going to start with an absolute heartbreak. And now on the positive side, I could have chosen more of that winning the stayers because he was a horse that was really key- keen on generally um, from a long way out. I could have chosen my favourite horse in history, Edredon Bleu, oh, winning yeah. the champion chase against direct yeah. route, where where the brilliant Simon Holt reached a, 
reached a frequency that I think only dogs could hear as the, as the finish was approaching. But I'm going to go for Goshen because I'm still scarred by it, to be honest. <laughs> it is the whenever ever anybody mentions Cheltenham for me nowadays, I'm, I think back to the fact that he was the last leg of a Trixie. I'd been saying for ages he was the best juvenile I'd seen in years. And then he was well clear and he fell over himself at the last. So, yeah, I thought there was just too much positivity, actually. I thought I'd bring a bit of cynicism and negativity into it. Beat that. To be fair, I think it's only human nature to have sort of brought it back down. But at least Goshen's paid you back since then, hasn't he? <laughs> Jokes. Yeah, well, I missed it. I missed him the day one. And then I've probably been with him days he hasn't. He's been my nemesis, really. Even though I love the horse. I mean, what a freak he was. That performance is still absolutely mind-blowing when you think mm -hmm. back to it. Oh, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. But I say, I completely feel your heartbreak then as well. And it's just a shame that he's having to um, go back to the nut house or he's been back to the nut house ever since then. So Daryl, now I know that we know each other quite well. So if I was a betting person, if, if I was a betting person, then my money would be on a recent memory for you being champ, something to do with champ at the festival. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, absolutely. Just just to touch on it. first, just to touch on first, I think Goshen should that should be the first and the last time we ever mention him on this show in terms of Chelsea. Goshen free zone. Not too late. It's not too late. <laughs> My therapist says I need to mention it once in a while. Good to talk about things. Yeah, I'm probably yeah. seeing the same one. Um, yeah, champ, uh, he absolutely pulled my pants down in the Ballymore. Um, I was on him for, for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, and it broke my heart that, that week. But uh, redemption in the RSA, it never looked likely, did it, until he jumped the last, and he, mm -hmm. he still had plenty to do. But screaming up that hill the way he did, I don't think I've ever seen a horse come up the Cheltenham Hill quite like that, especially at the festival. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a freak of a horse. He's a... You know, he's going to cost you a fair few quid on the way to winning. That's for sure. He did that for me. But uh, screaming in the Guinness Village that day, uh, throwing beers about when he did it. Um, mm -hmm. Just in the, in the space of about 200 yards, you go from absolutely head in hands to, to, to elation. And and that's the sort of feelings that Cheltenham brings to you. You know, you can't really get that anywhere else. And uh, yeah, that's a moment I'll never forget. Good people around you, a few drinks. Just been in the festival restaurants, actually talking to in the Gold Cup restaurant. And in the uh, in the festival restaurant, they were just telling people to back this horse, back this horse, and I felt embarrassed uh, coming down to the last. But uh, yeah, <laughs> what have I done? Relation. Yeah, so fantastic. Yeah, absolute mind blowing performance that was from Champion. And if you know Daryl, you know that it will be filled with Champ propaganda from here on into the festival. So can't wait for that. And Alan, yourself, of course, probably plenty of positive memories, I'd say, for Cheltenham. Well, thankfully, yeah, as a, an Irish racing supporter, it's been a, a beano over the last 10, 15 years, you know. it's We don't know what to do with ourselves. I remember my dad telling me years ago, if you got one, if you got one winner at Cheltenham, it was a great week, and now we're spoiled if we don't get, say, 15 or 20. Um, for me, my best memory was the first year that I went to Cheltenham, which was in 2011, and the winner of the champion hurdle went off on an incredible 3-1 to one hurricane fly. Oh, the first yeah. Yeah, first yeah. year that he went over and everyone traveling over goes, we can't believe he's three to one. What, what's, what's this, you know? And I think Peddler's Cross was joint favorite at the time as well. And well, of course we all, we all had everything we could find scrimping and saving all winter to back hurricane flying. We stood at the winning post myself and my father and a cliche, but I swear the horse looked at me when he passed the line. <laughs> Uh, scarves in the air, beer everywhere. Kept the bookie stockers, thankfully, so we were able to collect a collect a few quid. But um, yeah, it, it's it's brilliant. And first time to be there, you kind of read all the stories about the the atmosphere and everything. But it's uh, it's amazing. So whoever hasn't been sh should definitely go.
Oh, Goshen million. looked at me, funnily enough. I'm sure Goshen looked at me, but he stuck, he stuck, his, <laughs> he stuck, he stuck his He stuck his heel foot back before he fell. <laughs> yeah. He gave a totally different signal to Dan. Anyway. Yeah. He thought, watch this, watch this trick. You never see this again. You're welcome, Dan. Um, yeah, so fantastic memories, mostly then. But a lot of beer being thrown about everywhere. So if you're going to do it properly, then you may as well do Cheltenham in that way. Now, I've got a prop for my own favourite Cheltenham memory. And Dan completely guessed this one right of what this was going to be. So here he is. Oh, yes. A little finger bit. You can see that with my ring light. Look, and you see just the narrow margin of victory there. That was um, clearly my favourite Cheltenham memory. And honestly, it may make me sound lame, but it was the best day of my life. Leading up Fingal Bay to win the Potemps final. Knew, just knew he was going to win that. And he still managed to make an absolute horlicks of blast and, and, uh, and then just get up on the line. But... It was so embarrassing because I had already started the run up the walkway to the top of the hill. And if you haven't done it before, it's the longest <laughs> walkway of all time. And I thought I got halfway and it all of a sudden occurred to me. I was like, oh, God, if, if he hasn't got up here, this is this is mortifying. <laughs> so as soon as it came over the last... Southfield Theatre. Was it Southfield yeah. Theatre? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was on that as well. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> just keep going down and down. Jeez. I'm so happy we have Dan on this, just to bring us back down to a level now for, for um, the festival. Why would you sign No, great it? memory that, Kate. I love that one because, like, proper hands-on, you were actually involved, and yeah, a lot of oh. us, none of us can none of us can equate to that, can we? Mm. <laughs> to be I'm... fair, it was a one-off. None of the rest of my horses were quite good enough to do it, so I may as well make the most of it. And I'll still harp on about it for the next ten years, but yeah, best day of my life, hands hands down. So lovely way to start the day with some uh, really happy, mostly memories there from the lads and about our favourite festival memories and getting in touch with us with your own favourite festival memories as well, and uh, get in touch with us on the socials with that. But as I said, we're going to be discussing the champion hurdle and the supreme novices hurdle today. So we're going to start with the champion hurdle and uh so of course we have a fascinating race here and now just looking at the antipost market as it currently stands we have the defending champ honeysuckle currently at the top of the market understandably so at 8 to 11. next up it's appreciate it who of course we haven't seen since his win in the supreme last season currently a six to one chance then it's the wonderful charger who knows cheltenham like the back of his hoof at eight to one, then it's Epitonta at nine, Zana here at 14, and it's 20 to one bar. So Dan, would you like to kick us off, please, with your initial assessment of the champion hurdle? Yeah, well, it's a pretty unoriginal one, but clearly they've got the right horse favourite and they've probably got the right sort of price as well, because think back to 12 months ago, there was maybe a bit more uncertainty about her. She had to go and prove it properly over here in a, in a champion hurdle, but the market is making the main danger. The horse who was 11s or 12s to win the race last season, Sharjah, mm -hmm. he came through and did his usual trick to finish place for the second year in a row, which will lead us on to a question shortly. Um, but yeah, I think it's quite cut and dry. I think she is highly likely to win. They didn't bother with chasing for obvious reasons because she's such a valuable commodity, mm -hmm. but she just sort of has everything that you need in a champion hurdler. And, that weird festival of last season, I was one of the lucky people to be able to go there because working for Racing TV on one of the mornings, and that was Champion Hurdle morning. Just to sit in the stands and watch that with no distractions and see her sweep round the field into the straight was, was pretty staggering, really. That, that will live with me for a long time because it's the sort of move you tend not to see in top-quality races. But she's a freakish horse. She's clearly the right favourite. And it's less about trying to get a beat, I think, from my perspective, as trying to find something that we could nearer the time, back in a without market, back each way, 
back place only, that sort of thing. And it, I'll just go back to a horse who was, I thought, possibly the best juvenile of last season, even if he didn't run at Cheltenham. That's Mon Morel. And mm. I hate the tag forgotten horse, but it's hard to think that he isn't that because he's not been seen since Newcastle when he ran a terrible race in, in truth, never travelling, never jumping. But an excuse didn't materialise that he finished lame. I've been asking around, scrabbling around for any news from anybody. Is he fit? Is he in one piece? Is Cheltenham the aim? Are they going to go to two and a half in the entry hurdle instead? So obviously it's a race against time. But he just struck me as a horse who could still have the potential to post a mid-160s figure. I do think there's an element of it being up for grabs for second. Charge is a very admirable, consistent horse who gets the right ride in a champion hurdle to pick up the pieces. But he's low 160s and... I was looking back at timeforms when, as you mentioned, Hurricane Fly, Alan, he's the top of the shop for time form this 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 century. He was a one seven one performer um, with the mayor's allowance, Honeysuckle getting the seven. She'd actually edge him. She's effectively one seven two. But to finish place, you need to be, you know, ordinarily need to be mid one sixties, low mid low to mid one sixties. And there aren't many that are in that category. And I wondered if Mon Morale could still get into that category. The, the, the key thing, of course, was that form boost. Not the fact he just looked so good last season in winning every start. The fact he gave Adagio a bit of a thrashing in the end at, at Aintree after that horse made a mistake at the last. And Adagio since come out and run an absolute screamer of top weight in, in a great wood hurdle. I thought that was a boost to his form. And I was happy enough to write off Newcastle as a complete no-show and, and, and a run from which he should hopefully bounce back. Yeah, definitely so. So that's uh, that's fascinating though. Monmorel from left field for Dan. Though it's around fifty to one available on the sports book. So he he's a fascinating contender. If he does go here, of course he he has an entry. He has entered in the champion hurdle. So whether or not, I mean, as I say from what he's shown so far, he definitely looks of a caliber to place in the champion hurdle with how wide open this is. But Daryl, you'd, through... you'd want I think I think you want sorry to do, I think you'd want non runner no bet from him because yeah. obviously there's a chance that he's not recovered from whatever ailed him and he yeah. won't be seen at all but once those concessions are in place I'll maybe be able to tell us they may already be up and running but when they are for definite I mean he's a, he looks like a classic vehicle for that for me and then nearer the day I'd be looking at the without market as I say mm-hmm. what, yeah. what do you think Dan, in terms of the, the crop overall how strong do you think the two mile, two mile hurdlers is you know harking back to a few years ago he'd hardly use his brave Inca mm. Archibalds and the like as well it just seems if you take Honeysuckle out of it, it's a bit of a moderate bunch, is it? Yeah, I, I wrote quite a long article about this on the Sport and mm. Life site like last year in the aftermath of Cheltenham. So sort of, it's just become apparent to me. And I mean, I heard a good example the other day of a of a horse that I can't really trained it on the flat, but a jumps trainer said, "Oh, do you think I could get this for two hundred and fifty k?" And he's like, "Well, no, because we've already sold it for four hundred thousand to Hong mm. Kong." So yeah. all the really good flat horses now that might have, I mean, think of horses like Royal Gate. That was even before my time. But Crevensis, like really good flat horses that were going hurdling. And Howard Johnson had lots of them, didn't he? He had mm. lots of horses who were very good on the flat, who who made the transition to hurdling. Those horses just tend not to really exist anymore. And mm. as a result, I think you're getting more horses from points who are stoutly bred and national hunt bred. So you, it means that the speed division the two-mile hurdlers is sort of a bit forgotten about. Yeah. And just, no, I, I, sorry, sorry Kayla, and, and, and it just it just seems that even if you win a, say, a Supreme or a Valley Moor, it doesn't, there's not naturally the, the inclination to stay hurdling, is it, as well? Like, no. as soon as you hear a, a trainer or, or an owner in the winners' enclosure tell them it goes off, 
chasing chasing's their game as well. It doesn't seem the yeah, lore. Kev, of... Sorry, is Kev's made some good points, hasn't he, about bumpers? Sorry, Daryl. Sorry, sorry, that is there not room for a bonus there then for for a novice to go on from a supreme or a Ballymore to drop back and go to the super, and go to the champion hurdle? Is there not room for some sort of um, enticement mm. for them to go and do that rather than go and chase him? Does the champion hurdle need to be uh, more of a bonus race? Um, and, and stack yeah, to the add the extra incentive. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's got to be yeah. some sort of incentive because these horses are just not filtering through, and we're we're ending up with races where, with all due respect to, to Tommy's Oscar and, and the outside, you know, mm. there's been a headline that Tommy Tommy's Oscar is the dark horse in the champion hurdle. My goodness me, what a load of rubbish! <laughs> a dark horse in the champion hurdle. He's just too high in the handicap to run in any, you know, to have any realistic chance in, the, in, in any sort of handicap. So this is the only sort of route he can take, um, and and. That's going to happen over over time. We're just going to fill this field with, you know, 153, 154 horses. I think, I mean, Bouvardet, I think, was the last, in the last 10 years, was the lowest rated horse to win it, 157 rated, you know, but he was completely unexposed. He went on to win back-to-back champion hurdles. Um, You're not getting that further down the field in in this race. And this is just being diluted every single year. I mean, go back to when Epitome won won the race. the reason I was so keen on it at that time is because the division was so poor. Stand, mm-hmm. Charger always sets a good standard, but all of these horses are, are vulnerable to a, to a superstar. And at the moment, we've got Honeysuckle, which is propping up this division. You take her out of it, like Dan said, and what are you left with? Well, mm-hmm. that's interesting. If she had gone chasing, which wasn't completely off the table, and appreciate it hadn't had this, they'd have a setback, which has meant they've decided they'll wait another year for chasing. You'd have had Charger probably favourite for a champion hurdle horse mm. who's been held in second comfortably two years in a row. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't have spoken very well. I mean, in terms of an incentive, you'd have to. I don't think it's prize money that's stopping people keeping horses for a champion hurdle. Though it's still a still a very very valuable prize. I mean, you'd have to make a significant contribution to a bonus if that was going to make a make the pull of the champion hurdle so great. And as I say, it is unusual. They appreciate it at his age. Was he seven as a novice hurdler winning at Cheltenham? He definitely would have gone chasing, wouldn't he, without... Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. He's an injury. eight-year-old now. Yeah, so 100% he would have, say, he would have gone chasing. And then I say if Honeysuckle had then have gone chasing, this division would have been so diluted. But I agree with Daryl there that, you know, you've got to create the extra incentive. Like I say, it's, it's not the prize money aspect as such, but just sort of the extra kick or the extra... You know, just to make trainers and connections aware of, you know, or that there there is another option. But I do agree with you, Dan, that nowadays when you've got these sort of speedy types that you need for a two-mile champion hurdle, they're either sort of your best flat horses are either mm. obviously sent off to stud or they're outsourced now because of the money you can get for them. But the rest of the horses that we have in the National Hunt game are from the point-to-point sphere. So naturally, yeah. their end goal is going to be chasing. So you've got that sort of awkward middle ground. And sure, we even saw it with the Leamington Spa then at the weekend. At least we did have two pretty decent flat horses, but, you know, sort of yeah, respectable yeah. enough going and winning a two-mile five novices hurdle at Warwick then. So, you know, th- there's signs that their transition might be there, but it is definitely a significant problem here, they say, with this division that we have. A lot of the pointers that have won it in recent years proved to be stays anyway, didn't they? For, for yeah. him, classic example... Mm. I mean, he ended up running over three miles. He, he started his hurdling career at three miles at Limerick that day on really bad ground. Where yeah, he, he won the, the grade one at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was um, 
obviously he was a freak of a horse, but yeah, he, he ended up taking the route that so many of the ex-pointers are expected to take. They're not expected to hang around for champion hurdles, are they? And mm-hmm. Kev keeps going on about bumpers and getting rid of them. And I do think, the more I think about it, the more I think there could be some validity in it because you just, you're saving a year or two, aren't you? For... Yeah, exactly. You actually are. But sure, we've got the three-year-old hurdles to look forward to now. <laughs> National Hunt three-year-old hurdles to look forward to. But we better focus on the positives rather than a wider sort of issue potentially with the sport. So, Dara, I'll chuck this question back to you now. Honeysuckle, at her current price, if you were wanting to side with her, are you basically backing her to get there? Uh, no. I, well, I don't know. Look, I think Appreciate it is the one in there that I think... it if you're going from an anti-post perspective, I think he's probably the only way you could really go, but he's entered in the Irish champion hurdle at Leopardstown and he's around 11 to four shot there. So you would probably rather back him there um, and hope, and hope he does the business there and then probably roll your money up into a, into a shorter price for this. Um, You're probably going to be, get a bit more bang for your buck if you go that way about it. And then you're not going to have to worry about, you know, what goes to, if he goes to Leopardstown and runs a shocker, are they going to go there, go here at all? So mm. I, I think I think appreciate is the one in here that is just you know he's just that uh, makes you second guess honeysuckle a little bit. Now I know people don't give me give me stick for that, but the reason I say that is because I, I mean she's fantastic. Don't get me wrong, fourteen race un, unbeaten run is is spectacular. Um, I just did feel that last year in the champion hurdle, I felt that she was probably flattered a little bit by her winning margin. Um, if you go back and watch the race, jumping the third last, Sharjah jumps on terms. He's had to sit there and suffer the fate of a. Uh, Aspire Tower falling back into his lap. He's had to sort of sit and wait. Well, Honeysuckle and Rachel swung around the outside and, and basically free rolled down the hill. Now, Rachel mm-hmm. did that fantastically well all last, all of the Cheltenham Festival last season. She gets to the top of the bend. She kicks for home. She free rolls all the way down. It's, it's, it's a brilliant bit of race riding. But I'm just wondering if she was slightly flattered by the distance that she won by. Uh, don't get me wrong. Do I, Am I eager to take her on? Absolutely not. No. Um, but I just feel like appreciate it could be that one um, with a little bit more to give. Um, his Supreme run was actually run on the same card. Um, and I was just going back through it for, for the purposes of this. Um, he was actually at the top of the hill at five out um, or the halfway stage, 10 lengths faster than Honeysuckle was in the champion hurdle. Now, his, his circuit time from the, the last hurdle or the first hurdle to the line was seven lengths slower. So I don't think there's a whole lot between them. Um, I think a lot of this comes down to the well-being of appreciate. Of course, you know, the situation is not ideal. Uh, what happens with him, I don't know. But I think it's a too risky, too risky of a market to really get involved with and to try and take her on. Uh, there is an interest. We just touched on the novices. Mm-hmm. Um, going into the champion hurdle, there is an interesting runner in here, uh, 50 odd to one shot on the Betfair Sports, but my mate Mozzie for, for Gavin Cromwell. Um, there he's got an entry here. Uh, this race looks weaker than the Supreme Novice Hurdle at the moment, and we're going to talk about and touch yeah. on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so it's an interesting angle that, that they might go here, given he's already got the entry, probably trying to pick up some each way prize money. I think he's 20 to one in the without market on the Betfair Sports, but uh, the exchanges will tell you that he's pretty likely to go this route um he could just throw up a little bit of a surprise and try and try and pick up some each way money um but other than that i found it really really difficult to try and get involved in this particular race to be honest sam i think it's good way being to... honest it's rubbish isn't it, it, it it's not great outside <laughs> yeah. of honeysuckle is it no i think i think you i think the point you make about appreciate is very true though. if you if you judge him through a prism of his price up against charges charges got a significantly greater chance of being placed because he's got far less blowout potential. But who would you rather back win only? Sharjah's shown twice now that he's not quite good enough to win a champion hurdle. 
where he's appreciated definitely has the potential to, to prove so. It's weird that he, it's one of those, a bit like one of those Barney Curley gambles, massive price for the place, but um, obviously a, a very skinny one to win. You're almost better yeah. backing, backing to win and laying for a place. Yeah, exactly. That's the nature Lepre- of the race, isn't it, Alan? Yourself, please. Sorry, Kayla. Yeah, I think Leprechaun will be be very interesting to see how mm. appreciated goes. You you imagine he'll he'll need to run after the the time off, but um, I know for all the the bashing the champion order gets, it's probably you're losing sight of a very 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 good mare and honeysuckle as well, and how, how lucky we are to to see her. You know, I can remember the first time she dropped back to two miles at Leopardstown, and she was like a motorbike around there, and everyone was suddenly she was crossing the line. Everyone was like, "Wow, another another superstar!" and it, it is brilliant to to see her perform as she does. Like she was brilliant in a reappearance in the, the Hatton's Grace. And it's um I I just hope she get she gets to Leopardstown, runs a good race in, in the Irish Champion Hurdle, and then on to on to Cheltenham. And you can imagine if if all things being equal, she'll um she'll put up hopefully another another star sort of performance. But she 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 is very, very good. I thought Santa here, perhaps in the, the without market, she he's um eleven to two. Without honeysuckle, he's he's run a couple of solid races in in Grade Ones over here as well. You'd imagine Leopardstown could be the the target for him as well, but it's, you're kind of just fishing around, aren't you, for for horses to to finish second the honeysuckle. And if she does get there, all being well, you can imagine she'll put up a, another very good performance. No mean feat for her to win two two champion. Well, that's though, it though. It's I, history I, making, isn't it? You, you know, you can kind of get a bit a bit blasé, like mm. horses. You know, a bit, your Istabrax and your Hurricane Flyers winning you know kind of multiple champion hurdles as well and it's it's no mean feat you know you can kind of denigrate race as well but you still have to get there you still have to jump yeah. travel you know and yeah. win as well so um yeah no she's she's still a very very good mare so the mares mentioned... have been the way to go haven't they dating yeah. back to annie power when she had the crack at it and took advantage of the allowance epitaph's done it honeysuckle's done it i mean that's a wider discussion obviously about whether it's... <laughs> i was just yeah, saying uh, do, do you think a great do you think a great ones for those mares it should be it should be levels I'm completely on the allowances bandwagon. I know, very biased speaking as a female, but the allowances for me are there for a reason. They are physically built differently, mares, mm-hmm. to the geldings. And look at what a crop of mares. I say all the names you've just mentioned briefly there, just for the champion hurdle division, what a quality bunch of mares. I know that the mares program is fantastic nowadays, but I think we have this unbelievable crop of mares at the minute because of the allowances they've had. Potentially, there's yeah. the talk about reducing it, um, maybe by a few pounds, but I am fully on the mayor's allowance bandwagon. So yes, that'll make two because I, I am as well because I think it'd be too easy to duck. I mean, the, the yeah. fact yeah. the fact that you've got an allowance is far more likely to encourage horses, very good mares to have a crack it. And and out of interest anyway, on the time farm ratings, Honeysuckle would be top rated if it was a level weight race. I mean, that that's the edge she has at the moment. Yeah, exactly. So thinking about sort of the stepping stones now, obviously to the festival. Uh, to the champion hurdle. Then we have the um, Chanel 5, the Irish champion hurdle now. So what, Daryl, I'll throw this to you. What are we expecting to see from that race as it currently stands that might in any way impact the champion hurdle market? I mean, I think St. Felicianne's in there, isn't he? He's an unexposed mm-hmm. voice race horse. He could be anything, I but I think you're, you're pushing it a stretch there. Um, look, I, I, I say, I'll repeat it. I think it comes down to appreciating Honeysuckle. I really do. I think that they're, they're two far superior horses to anything else in the field. Um, what I would love to see is I'd love to see a, a good run from Appreciate It, um, get get fairly close to her, make it a bit more of an interesting spectacle come March. Um, 
the thing is with Willie Mullins, though, is, you know, he, he can't leave a horse to go straight to Cheltenham and, and do it successfully. The likes of Penn Hill, et cetera, Benny DeJue, he did it with, you know, he's not afraid of one, running one straight back from, from, a, from an absence. He can get him fitting well. Um, it, 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 I see this as a two-horse race, I really do, but, but one has significant questions to answer and the other doesn't, and it's reflected in their price. So I think he's pretty much as straightforward as that. Uh, Dan's picked up on, on Monmorel, a big price there. I think um, I think that's a very good angle. Again, another unexposed sort of horse coming through. And the My Mate Mozzie thing, each way interest if he goes here. But I'd, I'd be fascinated to see, appreciate it versus Honeysuckle because I, I don't think there's as much between them as the market does suggest. So uh, I'd like to see appreciate it come out and run a, run a lovely race at Leopardstown, win or, win or lose. Um, imagine he chins a Daryl. Imagine what I know. <laughs> that's what I, that's plans what I'm hoping for. Just throw the entire race out of the Who water. Wants... That's what I'm hoping for. Who it wants can. to be the Betfair compiler, Betfair Sportsbook <laughs> compiler, having to, well, what do I do now? We'll all yeah. be at Leopardtown that day, so we can leave that for the for, well, for the Monday. Yeah. Well, that's the point. If, 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 you was to, if you was to back appreciate at Leopardstown at around 11 to 4, what, and, and so, let's say he wins at Leopardstown. What price does he? What price does he go for the champion hurdle? Does he, he doesn't go shorter than even money, does he? No, they they probably they probably go know, seven to four the pair or something. I don't know. I don't mm. think they can. If it obviously depends on how what the winning margin is and stuff. If it's a nip and tuck battle, you'd, you'd obviously struggle to split them. You're mm. probably better off back back in there and then rolling your money up on on, on a seven to four shot and. Uh, Mm. And going and playing the safer way that way, I would have thought rather than take the six to one that's on offer. Yeah, that's basically pays that. tens, doesn't it? If you think he's yeah. going to be six to four, seven to four, you're looking at tens instead of eights. Yeah, I like that, smart. Yeah, definitely. So for sure. So we've still got an opportunity now. I know that we're talking about this race this far out, but we're still taking in, you know, I was going to say the road to the festival, but I don't want to have any plagiarism there. Um, so we're still talking about a race then on the way to there, which could well impact the market. But I think Darren makes a fascinating point about my mate Mozzie. He was one that I just thought was a lurker, 50 to one in the main market, in the without honeysuckle 20s there. So Daryl, is that sort of the way you're looking at the minute between the top two in the market, then my mate Mozzie at a huge price then sort of as a left field choice? I honestly don't. I don't really believe that. I'm determined. Yeah, I only back a horse each way if I think he's got a, a chance of winning the race. Um, essentially, I just thought he was one of the more fascinating contenders in yeah. what was essentially a dull race outside of the outside of the top two. In quite in all honesty, so exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I'm hoping appreciated that it runs well and, and and makes a race of it. Yeah, Alan, are you siding with anything at this stage? I'd say maybe Zana here in the without honeysuckle market. He's run a couple of solid races in Grade One company, but um, hopefully now all the contenders get there, and if everyone's kind of upright, you'd imagine honeysuckle will take take an awful lot of beat. Leopardstown's going to be fascinating, and hopefully yeah. the ground. It, it, looking at my window now, and it's blazing sunshine. It's like a, a day in June here, so hopefully the ground isn't too bad at Leopardstown, and all, all they can all line up. But um, Leopardstown will. will you know, show show everybody the cards, and it'll be interesting. Like, if you appreciate it runs a good race, you you could consider backing them. But then the bounce factor after being off for for so long as well, you've seen so many horses yeah. come back after a layoff, run a good race, and then bomb out the fo- the following time. But um, it's 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 going to be fascinating. But hopefully, if Funny Suck gets there, she can she can dazzle once again. Yeah, for sure, definitely. So, but as you say, if anyone can avoid the bounce factor, then it's Willie Mullins surely. And then Danny, you're going to make it sort of a hat trick of trying not to confidently take on honeysuckle basically yeah yeah before we i mean we've got i would say we've got a question lined up about horses mm-hmm. finishing runner-up in champion hurdles so if 
the obvious each way angle is Sharjah at this point, but he doesn't interest me at eights for, for as a win bet. And my only route into this would be taking advantage of the betting without markets and taking advantage of the non-runner no bet and maybe giving Mon Morel another chance to prove he is as promising as he looked last season. Because as I say, that that performance of Adagio in the Greatwood Hurdle gave his form a pretty significant boost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you're getting a huge price about Mon Morel then, 50s, 25s in the without. But as you say, make sure you get the non-runner no bet there because he may not turn up. But he is a fascinating runner with the ability. And Dan did mention the question that we have there. And so I better actually ask this question. I almost got distracted for a second there. So question for you viewers at home. Let's see if you can answer this. And it took me a second to, to uh, answer it myself. So the question is, Charger followed Mellon's lead in 2021 by finishing runner-up in the champion hurdle for the second year in a row. But who is the only horse this century to have filled second in three champion hurdles? I almost read the answer myself then. This is why they shouldn't put it in, <laughs> the they shouldn't put it in one paragraph <laughs> yeah. for me. They shouldn't do this. They should know that I just read. I'm like Anchorman. I, just, I, I have to read exactly what's on the screen. So, um, yes. <laughs> so, no one put anything in any italics or, or in capital letters, because I will read it as that way. So, that's your question. We're going to reveal the answer at the end of the show. So, get thinking. Now, I was actually quite worried that with only two races to cover we were going to struggle to fill the time for this podcast absolutely no problem whatsoever with that but I think that we've quite comprehensively covered the champion hurdle as much as we can at this stage anyway so very well done to the lads that's we're going to move on to our second race on the show this is the supreme novices hurdle where we obviously have the opening race on day one the race where we're going to get the raw of course hopefully we're going to get a good raw because that is the whole reason why this podcast is named what it is named with a raw cast so no false starts please lads jockeys mm-hmm. behave yourself or if you're going into fast robbie supple just let them go we need a good raw please for this podcast alone so whatever pace they're coming in at just let them go so we can get a proper raw please that's all i ask for this Right now, but the most important thing for this race is that we have a mouth-watering lineup. We've just been talking about the sort of weaknesses and frailties of a champion hurdle. If all the horses we hope turn up for the Supreme, we are due for an absolute cracker. And the British, we finally have a stranglehold on the Supreme market. We finally have it. So thank God for Nicky Henderson. Uh, because we have Constitution Hill heading the market at 5-2. to two. His stablemate, John Bon, in second at 7-2. to two. So, yeah, Alan, do you hear that? British one, two, then at the head of the market. What, what, is, what does it feel like now, Kate, to actually have a, you know, a, oh, str- wonderful. a, a, a strong favourite at the head of a, a betting market for Cheltenham? Absolutely wonderful. I just hope he goes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the pair of them run and that they don't just bottle it and, and run him in the Valley because I can't see John Bond uh, stepping up in trip. So, yes. Uh, and then we have, obviously, the super impressive Moscow Flyer winner, Dysart Dynamo, next in at 7-2. And the Irish are further represented <laughs> by Sir Gerhard at 7-1. to one. So, yeah, Alan, you scared the pendulum's going to swing back our way? I was until I saw Dysart Dynamo punch us down on, on <laughs> Sunday. It was, um, if you muted the race and didn't follow the commentary and just followed Dysart Dynamo through the race, you'd be wondering what kind of, what kind of animal he is. He was incredibly yeah. impressive. A shade keen every time he kind of jumped the hurdle, he'd latch onto the royal again, mm. go again in Paul Townend's hands. But it was an incredible performance, really, really jaw dropping. And it's typical Willie Mullins, isn't it? You know, it's just when you think the English have it sewn up, Willie comes and plucks another one out from from beneath the stables, and then suddenly he's, he's second or third favour for um for a supreme. As you said, I I just hope they all get there. It it's an 
unbelievably competitive race, isn't it? And what a way to start off Cheltenham if they all get there. And hopefully with the sporting owners of Constitution Hill and John Bond, they won't mind running against each other. Hopefully Nicky will have you know, play, plates in the air and keeping everyone sweet. But it's it's set up to be a brilliant, brilliant race. And unlike the champion hurdle that we were talking about, you can make a case for three or four of these horses, you know, ultimately winning it and it's going to be fascinating now like constitution hill was was very good in the tall world wasn't he albeit on mm. kind of heavy heavy ground you know it'll be interesting on a quicker surface is he able to translate that form from sandown to cheltenham john bond the price tag kind of matches his, his looks doesn't he in so far his performances he looks a bit keen i'm not sure what the what the rest of you guys think he looks a shade keen i think in his races as well and mm. could be a little bit hot oh, it'd be It'd be interesting in a white hot atmosphere, Cheltenham, you know, going down to the yeah, start and everything. Does he get revved up too much and kind of blow his chance away? Um, mm-hmm. And similarly with Dicer Dynamo, he's going to have to settle better. If he is that good, he looks like a bit, a bit like Gundeso from a few years ago, you know, just a bit of a, a tear away. If he does boil over and goes too quick, he's not going to get home, is he? So there's um, lots of angles and I, I just pray that they, they all get there and we can have the, the Supreme that we all think we, we will get. Yeah, lots of temperament angles as well. And I actually I actually asked Aidan Coleman about uh, John Bond and sort of, you know, is he that sort of fiery type that he looks? Because he definitely has looked like that at the start. And he was very reassuring in the sense that basically he said, I know he looks that way and he looks as though he's going to boil over. He said he's actually a bit of a gentleman. It's just mm. all show. It's all bravado. And he's actually quite, you know, quite a laid back character. And I know that he looks keen enough in his races, but he said, you know, there's nothing that's unmanageable there. And so, of course, it's going to be a concern from what we've seen, but... And again, I know that jockeys will say sort of certain things, but Aiden did say that it's more the visual rather than how he mm. feels. So he's, in that sense, not concerned. But yeah, fascinating though. So uh, Dan, who are you currently looking at? Are you siding with the Brits or are you are you being a traitor? <laughs> this is like picking your favourite kid or your favourite pet, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I can't. I can't have John Bond. I can't. Oof. Look, I... <laughs> Look, I know it's a big thing to say, and I didn't want to come on here, and I didn't want to start, you know, putting my neck on the line and get no, shocked off. That's what we want. But, that's what we need. That's yeah. Go for it. <laughs> but but what has he done? <laughs> what has he done? What has he achieved? He's ran. I mean, for a starter, his point-to-point form has not worked out. The second was brushed aside easily by Constitution Hill by eighty lengths. I think two winners have come out of his bumper and his and his maiden hurdle and his and his hurdle runs. Uh, one of those was uh, a horse who won a maiden hurdle then was beat on handicap David off a mark of 115 by 22 lengths. The second one won a terrible race at Wincanton. Um, and he's running two farcically run hurdle races where he's just been well positioned each time. And have you ever known a horse to finish runner up to a, a very favoured Supreme Hope and then to be dropped four pounds in ratings? Because that's what happened with <laughs> Colonel Mustard. Um, mm. So I just don't, I just don't understand what this, I just feel there's so many red flags with this horse. Uh, he's not recorded any good time figures. His form everywhere you look has not worked out. Um, doesn't suggest he, he's going to be the 150 plus horse that he needs to be. Um, the Kennelgate form, I can, I can tear it to, to pieces. Um, the, if you look at the four-year-old in that race, Nigel Twiston Davis's, uh, I like to move it. Who's rated mm. 138 at the time. He was carrying a five pound penalty. The Supreme was run that day. He would have been 13 pounds better off with John Bond. And he was beaten 13 limbs. 
Um, I didn't think the race suited a lot of the horses in behind him that day. I've never had LA Bell run up to more than a mark of 130. Um, I just, I just really don't see what this, what this whole John Bond. Uh, uh, do you know what the comment that annoys me the most is? Oh, <laughs> Constitution Hill should go to the Ballymore because he's got John Bond. He's got John Bond. <laughs> My goodness, oh, they don't play this back when he absolutely hoses up in the Rossington Main on Saturday. <laughs> but, uh, but my point being is, you look at look at Dysart Dynamo at the weekend just went out, made all the running, super impressive. Um, that's the horse that, that will put the willies up me for, uh, for a use of a better yeah, phrase. Yeah. <laughs> Pond and Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> why, has, why, why have they not done that with John Bond? Why yeah. is he having to sit and be involved in slowly, terribly run races? If he's, if he's the good horse or he's the great horse that he's supposed to be, why is he not going out and doing a, doing a Dysart Dynamo type of performance? Um, there's just lots of red flags with me. And if I had a five-a-side football team, I think I'd have John Bonner, Gerhard in the B team, and Constitution Hill and, and, and Dysart Dynamo in the A team. Constitution Hill just, just brings that element of raw ability for me. I was on course working uh, for Betfair in the Daily Rewards Zone, actually, in, on the day of his debut, and it was just super impressive. The way he was able to up a gear very, very quickly past okay. what is a useful animal in my eye, and then the way he moved up that, that sand down hill, almost like it was a flat track. I know that's been said before, but it was it's a, it's a great analogy of, of how he performed that day. Um, everything about him, when you go through those two runs, you can sort of link it in, in loose form terms of him being 150 plus horse. Now, I know Timefall Dan gave, uh, I think it gave John Bond a 148 will be uh, Constitution Hill 147. I'm not sure. I, I mean, I don't know how they got that. You'll know that better than me. But um, I, I thought Constitution Hill should have been clear favourite. Dysart Dynamo was, is the one that scares me to death, in all honesty, <laughs> as any Willie Mullins runner should do. And Sir Gerhard, just while I'm hearing, having a little rant, Sir Gerhard, a seven-year-old, that no one's mentioned that this season as well. Seven-year-old's got a terrible record in the, in the Supreme. I know I appreciate one up, appreciate it one last year. But that was a, a small field, mm-hmm. probably the worst Supreme we've seen in a, in a long time. And uh, I think three since 1972 before that. So I think he's up against it. And the fact that he's only won a maiden hurdle, I need to see more for him, from him. I need to see an electric performance from him at Leopardstown. Um, I think every winner, bar Shishkin and LeBake, have come into this contest with at least a grade two under their belts. Uh, LeBake, I think, won a grade, uh, a grade three. And, and Shishkin, uh, who's a freak anyway, but he won a listed race at Huntington. I just think there's a lot of bits and pieces that, that are not being put together. I think a lot of people, myself included, to a degree, are working on, on a lot of visual effects um, when the bare form for the likes of John Bond is just not there. Oh, punchy, punchy. <laughs> so what about if John Bond goes and beats my side on Saturday by the same margin that Constitution Hill beat my side by? That's that would right. be very interesting, but it would also be the, the, it's the, it's the uh, going to be the softest ground that John Bond's had to, uh, to contend with. Yeah. Um, Muay Thai, I'm hoping he's going to run because he's going to be a, a good, a useful yardstick to see what he can do. Um, I'm hoping it's a truly run race. I'm not writing John Bond off and saying he can't win it, right? Let's, let's get that straight. It's just on what he's achieved to date, there is not a chance I would even consider backing him at seven to two. You know, he's got the, he's got the, you know, the ability, I suppose, or the, the potential to go in and absolutely hose up on Saturday in the Rossington Main. I hope we get a good field in there to, to really make it a test, a, a true stamina test and, the, uh, and a true test of his ability. But I wouldn't be jumping the gun taking seven to two about him. Yeah. If, if John Bond and Constitution Hill come around the bend cruising together, who, 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 who would your money be on? I'm... Constitution Hill. It, all day long. 
<laughs> yeah. So so Daryl was coming in punchy. Dan, did you want to take that query that um that Daryl had then about the uh, about the time form rating or with the improvement? Did you want to take that? Yeah, well, there is there has been some creativity involved, rating value extra and etc. But there is the fact as well. I mean, I know Daryl said he didn't have Elliot Bell running above 130 previously, but he's we've got the likes of I like to move it mid to high 130 and he still beat them convincingly. And I know these aren't truly run races, but I think that's almost a credit to him that he was able to extend mm. as he did in a truly run race. It really wasn't for any horse conducive to putting up an impressive performance, was it? They, they, they potted around and he's still outclassed four horses who I think are all in their own right are fairly useful. I think there's just one other thing to posit, like, what if he's a lot better in a truly run race? It must be a possibility. You mentioned that he's a strong travelling horse who can look a little bit keen and fresh. If he settles better and drops a bridle in a race where my mate Mozzie, if he does go for this instead of the champion, is blazing off in front, or Dysart Dynamo is doing the same, um, it might actually find 10, 15 pounds from him. I mean, I'd say, I was going to say, I mean, it is like choosing between your favourite kids, this, because I think all three of them have so much to recommend them. If you get massively behind one of the British, we've had a lot of fingers burnt in previous years of Mullins's horse just coming over and kicking them out of the way anyway. But I do think these two are, are very exciting horses for different reasons. And I was at Sandown as well the day that Darrell mentioned, and he was unbelievable late on um, Constitution Hill. But at, whether that was pace or just extreme stamina, I don't know. There is definitely an element of Altior to him, how much he finds off the bridle. But I don't, I don't view any horses that whiz up that Sandown running on bad ground as doing it through freakish pace. I think a lot of times... Don't just say it. Stamina. Don't say it. It'll <laughs> be interesting. The Ballymore, don't say it. I know. Betty, Betty, Betty Betfair is 100% saying as his favourite on Betfair now for on the exchange for um, the Supreme, that Ballymore thing does seem less and less likely. But, I mean, Hendo, does, he doesn't mind splitting them, does he? <laughs> Don't say it, Daniel. It's got to be out there. Oh, surely I mean, with the we, owners, as though. As we record, we're still not sure whether Shushkin and Ergamine's going to go ahead now. That's the first Oh, thing don't, don't even start us on that. Please, <laughs> goodness me, we've got enough going on with that. Sure. But then he ran, ch I know that they were bigger prices, Chantry House and Shishkin, but Henderson was happier to do that. But do you think that because he has such a stranglehold on the head of the market, he'd be less likely to run these two against each other rather than previous years where he's had two in the same race, but obviously at bigger prices? Would that sort of be a consideration you think that Henderson would have? Yeah, and all, I think also the type of horse they are. I mean, mm. Constitution Hill, they both come from points, but he is so similar to Duvan, John Bon, isn't he? I mean, yeah. everything yeah. about him is identical, it's really. He literally looks, it the quite, mm. looks the same. It is, and I always think that's that's been that's been a bit of an albatross, really. I think people have been almost wanting him to fall flat on his face because he cost 500k and because he looked a bit free going in his bumper, etc. So, I don't know. I'm not as neg as, uh, as Daryl is on the horse. And I just think that the potential for a split is just, as I say, the type of horse they are. You said at the top, Kate, mm. John Bonnet is clearly a two-miler. Uh, mm. I mean, 100% as Duvan was. But Constitution Hill finished that race at Sandown. Like, I don't think he necessarily will be a bang two-miler in time. I think he'll be two and a half. So uh, it must be it must be up in the air, even if it's more likely that he does what he did with, as you say, with Shantry House et al. 
Yeah, that's what I've heard. I mean, he's seven to one for the Ballymore and then he's five to two favourite for the Supreme. But you say it is just, I think he'd win either, to be honest. My personal opinion, I think he'd win whichever one he was cited at. It just depends. It depends what's going on in Nicky's head. It depends what he sees for this. But I mean, and what price guess- is he? What price is he, Kate, if there's no suggestion that he goes for the Ballymore? I mean, that 11 to 4 yeah. for the Supreme yeah. is factoring in the possibility they might not run in the race. I mean, he, he might, they might have made him 7 to 4, 13 to 8 on Betfair for, for this if there was no mm-hmm. spec. Yeah, he's taken a good chunk of the yeah. exchange market up as well. I think I think over mm-hmm. 35 grand. The of the current 150 grand ish that's been that's been spent. I on think Calvin's had half of that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was he, he's really keen on him, which is not a horse I expected uh, TC to be overly keen on either. So that really sort of blew my mind as an extra incentive to to think that he's something special. But I guess he, it, he even smiled. He, I saw him smile in the press room. The unspotted Tony Calvin smile. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, Alan, I'll just check this last one for you. Ground concerns. I think it's nap of the festival, isn't it? Every year, good to soft opening race on the first day uh, for the Supreme. Would that concern you at all about Constitution Hill? He's a son of Blue Brazil. Progeny stats would show that they have a greater record uh, on softer ground. Would you be at all concerned if it was good to soft? No, not not for him. Like I said, like that Tallworth performance was was very very good, and yeah, well, well, betide that we get good ground on the open day of the festival. As I said, it'll definitely be be good to soft. So, I think the makeup of the race, as Stan alluded to, like if my main Mozzie and Dyson Dynamo go off and blaze a trail, it could actually just maybe just set it up for Constitution Hill. Like he'd be able just to sit and relax and and jump jump well and. He he's kind of caught everyone a bit, bit by surprise, haven't they? You know, John Bond has the has been the talking horse since JP forked out all that money for him, and he's progressed. You know, everyone's been looking at him every time he's run. Oh, he he hasn't done this right, or he's done this very well. And Constitution Hill has kind of been like the younger brother who's just come up out of a, a sudden, yeah, so- and you know, just kind of you know shouted that look, I I'm here too. And it's hard, it's it's very hard to knock him, and it, it's the old cliche, isn't it? But you can just imagine whatever he does this year. I just hope he, hopefully he just stays hurdling, Kate, and then you know maybe a champion yes. hurdler in in the offer next year. You know, in twelve months time. This could be the race that saves it. Yeah, yeah this that's actually it. Could so, be, yeah, for next season. Do you not think that he's got a that's a massive bonus for for his chances? The, the fact that he's the one in the, I mean, of the top four, they can't all be superstars, can they? But do you think that that's a big bonus for him that he's just so relaxed and so able to mm. settle and travel and. Oh, yeah. Perhaps yeah. tactics are not going to be as, as you know, uh, as worrying for him as the likes for John Bon or perhaps Dysart Dynamo. I mean, John Bon, we know, runs with earplugs in at the moment, doesn't he? So yeah. I think there's just. Some... I think that's the, the, the way he races for me. I said, I mentioned Altior, but the comparisons with Altior really are just the ridiculous strength of the finishing effort as opposed to racing the way that Altior did. He basically races in a very relaxed manner, not pulling not racing lazily as certainly as Altio ended up doing quite often. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a free, I, I mean, he do, you think that's had a, do you think that's had a play on the prices at the moment? Do you think the earplugs and the, uh, and the keenness of the likes of John Bond is that, is that a play on the price and perhaps contracted constitution Hill shorter than he should be? Or, uh, cause I, ca- I, I can't, do, think- I do think, I do think it's a groundswell of negativity against John Bond, which stems, I know it sounds peculiar and it's probably a bit first, but stems back to the fact People have not wanting him to fail, but oh, look mm. at this. As soon as it was mentioned that 
it cost over 500 grand people going oh look at the state yeah. of this 500 grand <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's a tall poppy syndrome isn't it you know you're setting something up and you want yeah it's it been winning by a mile clear of the rest <laughs> of them yeah it does doesn't it? it just sets horses up but no, it is going to be absolutely fascinating. Hopefully, it'll go here, and it'll be interesting as well. Like say, Mike Mate Mozzie had a big price if he goes here, or for the champion hurdle. It's just another angle. So I'm just going to go around all three of you to wrap up the Supreme. Give me one name now, I dare you, between these horses for who at this stage you're entitled to change it down the line. Who at this stage would you be siding with? So Alan, starting with yourself, you're most likely winner. Constitution Hill with a small mention of two other horses at each way: El Fabiolo, who won a Tremor for Willie Mullins on New yeah. Year's Day and JPR1 who is scheduled to run in the, the Betfair hurdle all going well both 25 to 1 so it'd be interesting to see if they line up in the Supreme but Constitution Hill for me to give the, the English a, a well-deserved early winner at Cheltenham before, before the oh, Irish hopefully to take over for the rest of the rest of the festival Kate. yeah exactly like when San Marino scored that first goal <laughs> yeah that. A, li- a little bit of hope <laughs> so they clean sweep the rest of the, the, the meeting I'm sure yeah so far, so a nice little left field a couple of left field choices then for Alan Daryl winner yeah. most likely winner we know who you're going to be laying at this stage at the prices but <laughs> come on don't, I'm not laying him I'm just saying <laughs> oh never mind uh, Constitution here I think you take I think you take a good bit of whacking yeah, and then Dan. Just to make it true, obviously, Daryl says he's the worst horse he's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so we're setting Daryl up here. We're completely well, sticking him up here. <laughs> um, says he'll be running selling hurdles next year. No, I, I, I do think he's... Ruben Haslam. It, remind, yeah, um, it does remind me somewhat of the Captain CB against Binocular when Binocular loomed up tanking and Captain CB just found a bit more at the Cheltenham Mail. I can see that scenario. But I do think there's another scenario at the current prices and without questions of which race he might go, that John Bond is a different horse again for a properly run race. But I'd be lying if I said I was betting in this race. The only view I've got from the two races really that would be a genuine better view is this Mon Morale angle in the champion hurdle. Mm. But I, I, like everybody, I mean, if those three line up and we could see something freakish. If Dice like Dynamo is teeing this race up with my mate Mozzie, we might see one of the best Supremes of all time. Yeah, he's hoping so. And Daryl, I have to apologise. We are completely setting you up there, but we love <laughs> love the punchy angle show. That's what that's what it's all about. And that's what this show is going to be all about as well in the coming weeks is punchy takes, punchy opinions up for debate. And that's exactly what we want. So yeah, great bit of debate then from the lads. And for what it's worth, I think Constitution Hill is going to be an absolute freak if he's not showing that already. So that is both of our races. I was scared that we were going to have a lack of content to really fill the time. Absolutely no worries with that with the lads filling all of this. Now, I better get back to our question, actually, before I forget, not just leave you on a cliffhanger. So I'll repeat the question for you and I'll give you the answer then. So Sharjah followed Mellon's lead in 2021 by finishing runner-up in the champion hurdle for the second year in a row. But who is the only horse this century to have filled second in three champion hurdles did you get it my tent or yours the absolute legend that was my tent or yours is the answer i'm sure all the lads got that for sure that question um now quick off a few as well get a five pound free bet when you bet 20 pound worth of multiples or bet builders and as i say thank you so much to the lads for all of their hard work that is us done for week one thank you so much to all of you for joining us we hope that you had as much fun watching this as we had recording it next week we're going to be discussing the stayers hurdle ballymore and the albert bar so plodders to the fore next week please I'm, I'm only joking of course of course i'm only joking 
plenty of top quality horses to be discussing on next week's episode as well. And we will be joined by the newest member of our team as well. So just as a reminder that Racing Only Better is on Friday, Wade In is on Monday. Make sure to gamble responsibly and we will catch up with you again next week. Bye.